0: Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today I wanted to do a follow-up to the interview I did with John Katz about pet loss, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about how great I think he is, but also that it's a good foundation and expand a little bit more on what my thoughts are. So if you listened, if you didn't listen, go back and listen to the John Katz interview. It's called Pet Loss and Perspective. And in that episode, John has a lot of great ideas as well as in his book about how we can look at pet loss in a way that's going to help us both honor our relationship with our pets and help us prevent tragic grieving and complicated grieving when it's not going to serve the pet or ourselves. So there's a lot of good things that we talk about in there. I don't necessarily subscribe to 100% of all of his ideas, but I think it's a really great foundation to be able to uh, help yourself. I certainly had some issues with some pet loss in the recent years, and that book really helped me, and it's helped several other people that I have invited to read it. So hopefully it helps you as well. I just wanted to add in some additional thoughts and things that I found in my work with people and their own pet loss. So when we're looking at pet loss, obviously it is a disenfranchised grief. And I think we talk about that a little bit in the other podcast, but basically what that means is it's not something that's culturally acceptable. I've had a lot of people come up to me and express their emotions about their pet. And even I see it on social media when they're expressing the loss of their pet. They're not getting the same support that they would if they would have lost a human loved one. And I just am here to remind people that all grief and loss is grief and loss. It doesn't matter what you lost. I've also had experiences where I was running a grief group and there were people in there who had lost a spouse and there was someone else in there who was trying to get through the holidays that had been divorced in the last year. And the people that had lost a spouse appeared to be very upset, thinking that it was okay to judge their grief against the grief and loss of someone that had lost a partner and they were still alive. And I'm here to tell you that that grief is just as real and just as powerful, it's just in a different way. And comparing our griefs is not helpful. What's helpful is being compassionate to one another and understanding that any kind of loss we have whether it is losing a job, losing a physical ability, losing a cognitive ability, moving, graduating, all of these things are losses and we don't always think of them that way. So if we can start to change our perspective about loss and how it works with grief, I think that'd be really helpful. I do plan to do a little bit more of a a deep dive into grief in another episode, but just wanted to touch on that briefly. That grief manifests itself in many different ways it doesn't have to just be sadness or tears it can be insomnia or lack of appetite or lack of motivation or irritability um, losing your car keys i mean it can be so many different things that we don't think about as related to grief and so it's important to remember that when you're seeing someone in your life that is expressing some emotions that aren't necessarily normal in their personality it very well may be that they're suffering from some kind of grief or loss. Now in my pet loss groups, another thing that I've found, and of course I'm not the authority on end all be all of everything about pet loss. So I don't know if someone else has written about this and hopefully they have. But what I've found is that oftentimes when people are grieving in what some others might express as excessive grief or prolonged grief, when it's been years and they're still just so stuck in their grief that they can't live a normal life or have happy emotions or express their love to another animal because it's just too painful what i often find is that that grief and loss of that particular pet of course they're sad about that pet but what they're experiencing is normally not actually the loss of the pet is very often connected to something else in their life. So for example, my mom has a dog right now. She is, I think, 15. And of course, she's gonna miss the dog. She's had a good long life, but she'll miss her. But what's gonna really make her sad and what we're expecting to see is that this dog was connected to my grandmother. She had just gotten this dog as a puppy when she was in her later years and was having some health issues, and my mom had gone down to take take care of her, and ended up bringing the dog back with her when she was pretty young. So when this dog goes, she's gonna be the last living reminder of her own mother, and it's gonna be like losing her mom again. So it's not always just about the pet. Another example is that when I lost my first dog, I was 12, the dog was 13, And I bawled for a week. Now, you could say, well, I was a teenager, I was emotional, whatnot. But I think the truth is, at least the truth for me is, that my father had died two years before that. And for whatever reason, I wasn't able to express that kind of grief and loss when I was 10 or just before I was 10. So by the time the dog died, I was able to emotionally be in that place of grief and loss. And I think, all of those emotions I had been holding and a feeling came out when the dog was gone because the dog represented a life with my dad and I didn't have that anymore. I've had another, uh, pet loss group member that came in. I had been eight years and this person had been mourning this dog and just been so sad and carrying around different guilt feelings and all kinds of destructive kind of behaviors. And when we really got into it, this dog was a part of the person's life when they had been in an abusive relationship and also when they had lived in a different state. So when that dog died, it also carried with it all of the traumatic memories that had come with the life she had shared with the dog. So just a reminder out there that, and this doesn't have to just go with with pet loss, it's any kind of loss, If you feel like maybe you're quote unquote overreacting, which as my old therapist used to say, don't, don't use that word. It sounds very judgmental. But if you feel like to yourself, I'm, this is really hitting me harder than I feel like it should. Yes, you're sad about a particular loss, particularly a pet loss. Try to think about what that pet reminded you of or what went on in your life during the time that you had the pet. Was there something else that was connected to that pet that makes you sad or depressed or feel like there was something unresolved that you weren't able to get through? I want to talk a little bit more also about what we can do to help memorialize our pets and maybe help us get through the grief when it first comes. If it's not connected to something else, it is uh, a fresh loss and it is just not complicated, but just a pet loss and Again, I don't want to say just the pet losses and it's just a pet, but the fact that it's not related to anything else, you're just sad about this animal and losing what you consider a family member. So um, like John said in the other episode, think about these things ahead of time. Again, from my hospice work, this is so helpful with any kind of loss, particularly family members, since they are able to tell you what they want. Those kind of conversations are important to have before the time comes. And in a similar way, it's important to talk to your veterinarian and your family about what you're going to do when the time comes. If you're able, obviously, if you have a sudden illness or um, an animal that gets hit by a car or something like that, obviously, you're not going to be able to have those conversations in the moment or beforehand. Uh, But if you can, if it's something where they're just getting into old age or they're starting to get a disease and you, you have the time to have those kind of conversations it's important to think about the priorities of what's important for you and more importantly for me, what's important for the animal. How's it going to affect their quality of life? Like John said, I don't want to keep an animal alive because I think it's better for me. And somehow I'm rationalizing that it's better for the animal. It's not necessarily better for the animal. And oftentimes, for example, cats in older years, if they're allowed to be outside, will just go off into the wilderness and die and you'll never know. But animals that are kept inside, like indoor cats, they don't have that luxury. They're not allowed to do what their normal instincts would do. And so it's going to fall on you to make that decision of euthanasia, which is always a difficult decision. Euthanasia is a specialized thing that we only get to have with our pets. We don't get to do that with our family members for a variety of reasons, both good and bad. And we can have that conversation another time, but for our pets, I think some of that grief and some of that guilt comes with having to be the one to make the decision because the pets aren't able to tell us, yes, I'm ready to go or no, I have a little bit more life in me. You're the one that's having to make the decision. How much life are you leaving on the table versus when is it merciful and this animal is not having a good quality of life. Again, kind of back to what John's saying, we tend to anthropomorphize all of our animals and put all these human emotions on them when they don't feel and think the way we do. Yes, they have feelings. Yes, they have emotions and they are able to express them, but they're not necessarily feeling them in the way that we internalize them feeling them. So, you know, they're not thinking in the past. They're not thinking in the future. They're thinking in the present. And what is their life like right now? And is it a good life? So when we start talking about euthanasia, hopefully you have a good veterinarian that's able to discuss with you what options are, when it's a good time to start thinking about these things. So you feel support when you're making those decisions and you're not having to feel like it's you on your own making that decision. I am later on this year going to have a conversation about veterinarian stress and what they go through because it's a very unique experience for them as well. And we're going to also be talking about the suicide rates of veterinarians. I don't think that oftentimes we think about what the veterinarians go through, but in a daily or weekly basis, I, you know, I work in hospice and people think that's hard, but I get to actually get feedback from the people I'm helping or the families that I'm helping. Whereas the veterinarians, may have to go from a room full of puppies to an animal that's dying and needs to be euthanized back into a room where a dog's getting its first shots. And that emotional swing oftentimes does not have more than a few minutes to recover. So for me, I can't imagine the kind of pain, emotional torment that they have to go through and kind of wall off to be able to do that job. And they do it because they're passionate about animals you know, and when I was in high school and grade school, that was always going to be my goal. I was going to be a veterinarian, bottom line, no questions asked. And when I started getting to my senior year and, and before that I had been around animal. I had animals die. I had seen them, you know, having to be put to sleep or being, uh, slaughtered as it were for food. Um, And it had been okay with me. I hadn't had any trauma around that. And for whatever reason, I decided to go in and do a job shadow with my own veterinarian. And that day, there was a couple of spays for cats, which was weird, but didn't bother me. And then there was, I believe it was a French bulldog um, or Boston Terrier, one of those, that had come in for an unscheduled C-section. It was this animal's first litter. And this again goes to show how we should not be breeding for size because the whole reason she had a C-section is because she was too small to be giving birth to these puppies. So that can be another podcast episode as well. But let's think about what we're doing when we buy designer dogs. Uh, And I have been guilty of this too, but we have to really start thinking about what's best for the dog and breeding them to be smaller and smaller and smaller where medical intervention is needed to give birth to these animals. It's just not natural. It's not healthy. So they had come in to give a, a C-section. And for whatever reason, after the fact, um, the, the parents, the owners came to get the animal. They put her and her puppies in the car and then they came back in holding these little bloody puppies. And what had happened was either she had tried to move them and bit down too hard or she was irritated with them. I don't know if it's because she didn't have the bond of what a natural birth would have happened, but I believe there was six puppies total and only one of them lived. And that was extremely traumatic for me. So when we talk about the, you know, later on this year, when we talk to veterinarians, think about the swing from going from that to, you know, a four-year-old cat that's just in there for some shots or a teeth cleaning, having to swing back and forth between the emotions of their patients and their own emotions has got to be incredibly traumatic. And they're also experiencing pet loss. You know, think about the euthanasia of a dog that they've been seeing for 15 years. They have an emotional connection to that dog, even if it's not every day as you would as an owner. Most of them have their own pets and they go through their own loss. So, in addition to being the one that has to actually conduct the euthanasia, which I can only imagine, and we'll talk about that, um, they have a lot of laws too. So it's important to remember when you're having the conversation that there are emotions underlying their decisions as well. Um, Like I said, hopefully you have a good veterinarian that's willing to talk to you about end-of-life things for your pet and what's going to be best for you and your animal. I realize I kind of went off on a tangent there, uh, so I want to get back to being able to memorialize your pet. Uh, my sister was just recently telling me about her experience and her family's experience that it's been a year since they lost one of their dogs and they still miss the dog. And one of the things she did, which I thought was so great was that she had a memory book made, um, just a little photo album of all their favorite pictures of their dog. And whenever a family member is missing him, They can go and get that book and just flip through it. And what it's going to do is bring back all those great memories. In particular, this is important in case you did have a traumatic death for your animal or uh, the euthanasia for whatever reason was kind of late in coming and you felt like your dog had any kind of suffering. Those aren't the kind of memories you want to hold on to. You want to hold on to the memories of love because that's what the dog gave you was love. That's what he lived for, he or she. And... So it's important for you also to keep that memory alive by keeping it happy. You can also keep a little memento. I know that a lot of veterinarians nowadays are either clipping a little piece of hair with a ribbon or um, making paw prints of the deceased animal for the owners. That's a really great way to memorialize your pet. You can uh, have your animal cremated and you could also choose to bury them although there are limited pet cemeteries particularly in washington state i think we only have two in the entire state that are sanctioned for that not that people don't go ahead and find other ways to do that unsanctioned you can have your animals cremated and have them brought home in little urns or a little like i have one of my cats in a cherry box I think the caveat with that is thinking about what you're going to do with it. Because in my case, I did not have a plan. I made that decision in a crisis. The animal went into crisis and I had to take them to the veterinarian and make a very quick decision about euthanasia. And in that emotional moment, I said, yes, cremate the animal. I want it back. And it wasn't about the cost, although it it is a factor for some people. Um, But now I have this box of ashes and I don't know what to do with it. So, I didn't have a plan and that's what I'm expressing to everyone out there listening is try to have a plan in place so you're not making emotional decisions in the moment. Is it important to you to have the physical remains back of your animal or is it important to you to have the emotional memories of the animal or is it important to you to have both? They're all okay. You know, I, I have another dear friend of mine that has the ashes of their dog and they Took them up to the favorite hiking trail that they used to go to and spread them up there. I thought that was a beautiful memory for that family to be able to do that and and recognize their animal and the love that they had and the good memories. Because just like humans, when you're memorializing, you want to stay with the positive and express your love for each other and for the animals and how you're going to move on. It's a way to release the sadness when you're able to memorialize in a healthy way. I've also seen other people that will have portraits done of their animals. I've had people um, have drawings done of their animals or kind of a caricature rather than an actual um, direct real life portrait. I've had people that have had collars of their animals that they've kept and kind of put in in a shadow box with other like maybe their favorite toy. I've also had people make collages of all their favorite pictures of their animals and and various things. So there are many different ways you can memorialize your pet. Whatever's going to work for you, um, do that because it's healthy. It's healthy to express your grief and it's also going to help you to be able to close that relationship and move on to other things. And it doesn't mean that you've forgotten them. And oftentimes it means you can go back and remember them. And that way, that grief shouldn't be as strong. It should lessen as the years go on. It can also help you to get into another relationship with an animal. Like John said, there are 12 million dogs in shelters around the country that need homes. 12 million. That is incredible. That's an incredible number. So when you're thinking about, I don't think I can handle this grief again, this is too hard well, you, you loved animals so much that it's hurting you. If you are able to turn that perspective around and say, I'm going to take this grief and sorrow and I'm going to give the love that I still have for animals. And in honor of the pet that I lost, I'm going to go save another one. Now, obviously, like he said, also give it some time. I'm not saying go out and euthanize your dog today and go get another dog tomorrow. That's not really how grief works. You need to give yourself a little bit of time. But if you start looking at years where you feel like maybe I can't get past this grief, it really may be time to seek out some kind of support. There are lots of different supports online. I know that Washington State University has a phone number that you can call for pet loss. If you Google it, there are several open chat rooms. pet loss and there are several organizations across the states and country that do have in-person counseling available if you're not already seeing a counselor and you just want to see someone for pet loss if you happen um, to be in washington in western washington uh, and you're in the anywhere from snohomish to skagit county area then Give me an email if you are feeling like you need support with your pet loss, and we'll see if we can't reach out and and give you some support during this time. I would love to hear people's stories about how they've memorialized their pets and how they've made it a better experience for their loved ones and their kids. Um, Speaking of kids, very quickly, I do want to also say that when you're talking to your kids about your animals dying, it really is best, even though it's hard, I know, to talk about it directly, But it does in the studies show that it's so much better if we're able to tell them that they died, that that what death is, is being gone. If you use things like they went to the farm or they're taking a long nap, that's very confusing, especially for younger children that aren't able to conceptualize the difference between death and sleeping. And so it just makes it more confusing and more difficult for them to process their own grief in their own developmental way. So it really is best to just very simply but straightforward use words like death and dying. Um, And then you can support them around their feelings. Do an art project with them. Have them draw a picture of their favorite memory of the animal. Because it's going to allow them to express their feelings and be heard in a way that's not going to happen if you just say they went to sleep or they went to live with grandma and grandpa or however you're saying that. Um, I know it feels like you're sparing their feelings, but you're really not helping their grief in the long run. So again, if you have any stories about how you've memorialized your pet, how you've coped with the grief and loss of your own pet, I would love to hear them. You can contact us at our new email, SomedayDeadPC at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at SomedayDeadPC, and you can find us on Facebook. So think about planning. Think about how you're going to deal with grief and how you're going to support your family in these ways and what are some healthy ways that you can cope with your grief. If you're needing any more suggestion on this, again, feel free to contact with me on that and we will work it out because there's always going to be grief and loss in your life. That's just how it works. You can't have love without loss because someday we'll all be dead.